We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in Ole Miss 33, Vanderbilt 7, the NPW Digital postgame show. Presented by Dead Soxie, I'm Chase Parm. Jeffrey Wright already in the screen there with you, but you can uh, see him now, I'm assuming. Uh, there, as we're uh, getting going, we're going to talk to him, we're going to talk to Neil, we're going to talk to uh, Brian coming up. This will also be in podcast form as quickly as possible. You know by now that all MPW Digital podcasts presented by Twisted T. More on them in a uh, little bit, but Ole Miss takes care of it. They cover the spread. We're going to dive into it, but we're here because Dead Soxie takes care of us. So real quick, tell you a little bit about them. We know with uh, it's time to elevate your game day look with Soxie. Financially support the Rebels every step you take. shapes the future of Ole Miss athletics. Sign up for a Sox subscription and get the exclusive Juice Kiffin Sock free. It's on your screen right now. If you are uh, in the stream, if you're in podcasts, you can check out the stream to see the uh, Juice Socks. Visit DeadSoxy.com. Choose a subscription to receive the latest in Ole Miss styles every month or at an interval that best suits you. Take the next step, upgrade your socks, and elevate Ole Miss. As always, stay Soxy. You know to use Rebel Grove as a code, and you always get 20% off there with uh, Dead Soxy. So anyway, Ole Miss 33, Vanderbilt 7. As we uh, jump back into it again, Jeffrey Wright here with me now. Jeffrey, they cover the spread. They're up 26-0 at halftime. Probably should have been up a little more, if anything, there at that point. Just uh, general impressions of what tonight looked. You know, look, maybe you had Ole Miss covering. Maybe you didn't. But for the most part, I thought this game looked exactly like we sort of thought. Yeah, I I actually took them to cover. Uh, those out there, Josie's now 7-1 and one against the spread. Uh, she is indeed a wagon uh, for the Rebels. You know, it was clearly there was a there was an emphasis on starting fast, coming out with energy. You know, Lane mentioned that's why they put the basketball goal up was to, mm-hmm. you know, avoid the the obvious hangover spot or letdown spot that that would be. And they come out and they score in their first five. Red zone still wasn't super crisp. Um, and I 
even though Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt's like horrible. I mean, there's a reason why I bet against them every week. They still didn't move the ball really at all. Um, and it's kind of funny how this team is kind of becoming a team that feels like they are winning more with their defense than they are with their offense. Uh, their offense does more than just enough. Like, I don't feel like they're like a Big Ten team where like, you know, they're not like SEC Iowa, but their offense just isn't quite there a hundred, but they, they have been good enough with the exception of one game. And that's the only game they lost. Yeah. You know what I thought tonight, what I wrote about rapid reaction already up at rebelgrove.com and check that out. Neil's column either is up or will be up in a few minutes. He was already riding ahead getting out of there as fast as possible tonight after the press conferences. So we'll probably get him from uh, the Clark Force studio whenever he does jump on with us. But, you know, look, as you mentioned, we'll get in plenty with the offense, plenty with Dart, plenty with what was going on with them. But I thought defensively, you know, there was a stat earlier in the week. I think we talked about it on hand raise guys that Ole Miss led the SEC in fewest yards allowed rushing before contact. Now they were not yeah. first in the SEC in rushing yards allowed because people, yeah. you know, people run through them things, all that stuff. But from a straight being in the right spot, they've done such a good job this year. And this was a maturity game because Vanderbilt, as you said, is far from explosive. But you can make mistakes and blow coverages and do things to make that thing a little complicated there in the first half. Frankly, Georgia did that against Vanderbilt when they played them. Vanderbilt moved the ball a little bit, hit some big plays, ran the ball a little bit. It was a little bit of whatever. Um, Ole Miss defensively completely suffocated them from the outset and took away any thought that it was going to be a competitive game. I mean, that's what I was writing about. I've got it here. In the first half, Ole Miss allowed 82 total yards, 11 passing yards, only one third down conversion. They were one for eight. One play inside Ole Miss territory, no plays inside the red zone, only four first downs and fewer than four yards per rush. It was a dominant defensive effort in the first half that took away everything. Vanderbilt already changed quarterbacks before the first half was over. Pete Golding's defense has shown a lot of maturity has shown a lot of ability to be in the right place at the right time. We talk about jokes with eyes and fits and all those things. And, look, they need more talent. They've got to get better overall. But in general, I thought that, as you were kind of alluding to there, the defense is the story because they continue to get better as the year is going on. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Vanderbilt had 12 drives and scored on one. I mean, I think they averaged, you know, 20 yards each drive. So, I mean, basically – you know, it feels like this team, like, yeah, they may give up a first down or two, but, like, you're not really scoring a lot on them. And I've kind of struggled with it internally, not from a perspective of I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's more of I don't see a team that's particularly fast on defense, mm-hmm. and I'm just not used to seeing defenses, at least in this league. Like you, Iowa doesn't have amazing team speed on defense, but they're a very good defense. But in this league, you don't see really good defenses. The defenses that have the metrics that Ole Miss does without elite speed. I feel like they have that, but it is a testament to what Pete has done with this unit, where very rarely do you see coverage busts. Very rarely do you see you know, as you mentioned, guys completely out of position. Um, and 
think where they make up for maybe the lack of team speed, I do think the interior of their defensive line is really good. It, it is, it's really good, and they've got enough guys where everybody's fresh. They substitute better than Ole Miss yeah. teams have substituted in the past. I mean, it just it just sort of gets done. And, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about how, you know, Cedric's not having the year that people necessarily thought he was going to have, and he's not – you know, he hasn't turned into Sam Williams. But they get so much good stuff out of Jared Ivey and out of Wynn and out of Harris. Like, they just – they found sort of the right combination there to make a lot of plays. And it's taken, you know, some of the – pressure off the linebackers who we knew were going to be a weakness going into the year to some extent. It just hasn't shown the way that, uh, the way that we thought that might be. Uh, this is, it's a, it's a LeBoner shirt from Monsters Ball last week. It's genteel. It's got like a bunch of Memphis stuff on it, but then it's got the LeBoner heart on it is what it is. People asking in the stream. Uh, yeah, no, no, nothing wrong with LeBoner kind of gets overshadowed because of what a ridiculously amazing, Operation St. Jude is, but uh, yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're not being negative in any way, yeah, it's like, yeah, um, yeah, it's like it just gets overshadowed by St. Jude. But I mean, they do, but if anyone's giving their money to LeBoner, I it's not like I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Like, uh, I support their mission too, yeah. Um, one rain around like two o'clock, Siski told me yesterday, do not do that thing very late at night because I'll be up. And to be honest, I'm a little sick, I'm a little under the weather, so I was, I was being a little careful with caffeine intake late in the uh, in the evening a little bit there. I, I've, I've had to monitor said, that a little bit. You sound like Ole Miss's offense. There you go. Like they took a little took a little early. They came out came out ready to go. They were on fire, but eh, this game kind of you know it was. I don't know what to make of it because again, you know, it, it's it's funny and we talk about it all the time. Message board was a little pissed off, a little frustrated, and Ole Miss is up four touchdowns on a team that was leading them at halftime last year and has given them fits historically in so many different ways. I mean, the expectations have just changed to such an extent, overall team-wise and position-wise. Because, look, this was probably Dart's worst game of the season overall. I thought that he missed throws. I thought that he had read issues. I thought he was late several times that would have led to big games games had he just thrown the ball on time. He was not his normal self. Had, they didn't really, yeah, they didn't really get into, yeah, they did. They didn't really get into a rhythm with him running the ball. I'm just having a hard time making it be something macro instead of just Vanderbilt for one night and is what it is. I, I just, I, I'm having a really hard time when they cover the spread. They win 33 to seven. They get over 30 points, and you know his individual, his eventual stats were fine to the point of really getting on him too much, but it definitely was not an effort that's going to win, you know, one of the next two weeks. He's got to be better than that. And he probably will be. It was Vanderbilt. It felt like the pitcher that came out, he just didn't have command. Like, are you going to give up on him? Cause he came out one day and didn't have, command? cause I, I thought for the most part, yeah, there was some late reads, but I think also, I think it's decent amount of that was he, it did feel like I want to give the offensive line credit. I felt like he had more protection tonight. Than he has, like he had time and whatnot. I do think he was kind of holding on, thinking maybe some stuff would come open late. Um, but he was just not accurate tonight. Even on the the interception, like that was a touchdown. If he just underthrew it, like the the whoever was the receiver had gotten completely behind the DBs. If he just puts air under it and throws it over, it's a touchdown. A lot of the throws to the outside felt like they were either one hopped or wide, but I just felt like it was, Hey, it was a night where he, you know, he, he just didn't have command of the zone and I'm not going to, I've seen him. He doesn't normally stack back to back bad 
and performances together. And so I'm with you. Now, yeah. if someone were to present to me, hey, maybe he wasn't accurate tonight because of some type of injury or whatnot. Okay, it's like, okay, well, then that that's new information that I need. But I didn't think he looked – I thought he looked fine. Please. So I just think he had an off night throwing. Yeah, I didn't see anything with the knee that looked like from a fundamental standpoint that was giving him a ton of trouble. I mean, you know, he he throws off his back foot a lot. He sort of rushes and forces stuff off his back foot when he's getting pressured. But it didn't look like mechanically when he had time and he had the ability to step into throws that he was causing a problem there. And like I said, statistically, and I know Dayton Wade bailed him out at least once here on these stats. But uh, is that it, catch it, of the year? Is yeah, that better than his two lane catch? Oh, um, I think so I, because of I continuing think, it all the way to the ground and holding yeah. on. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, both were outstanding catches, but like I, I felt like I felt like I was more like holy shit on that catch than I was the two lane catch. Yeah, Jackson Dart, 19 of 28, 240 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Complete 68% of his passes. That's a 144.5 rating, although I really don't know what the hell in college a rating is good or not for. It's not like the 158. It's, a, it's, in the an NFL. it's an efficiency rating. I mean, but like, like, what's good? Uh, 200. Okay. So he is below average. Yes. Tonight was even below his. I think he's been around like 175, 176, something like that. Okay. Uh, Dayton Wade, eight catches out of uh, nine targets, 120 yards, touchdown, including that 48-yarder for his long. Trey Harris, six catches out of uh, eight targets, 67 yards. Watkins, three catches, 44 yards. And then Aiden Williams catches one late. Judkins, one. Bentley, one as well. Quinshawn goes 17 of 124. Two touchdowns. He averaged 7.3 per carry. He had a long of 40. Bentley, 7 for 42. He averaged 6, had a long of 16. Judkins kind of ran his ass off tonight. I thought he kept balance as well as he has maybe any time all season. He was he was really, really good, and they did the whole kind of back to, you know, they, they split up possessions evenly as the game went on. Yeah, I, I think, you know, they might think from him banged up early, whereas it, it feels like as the season goes on, he's getting stronger, and it feels like he's looking better. Um. But on the on the targets and whatnot, like the only time I've ever actually gotten pissed at Jackson Dart because I typically don't really care one way or the other unless I bet on him. When he missed Hudson Wolf after knowing everything that that kid's gone through, <laughs> I was so pissed. I was like, "You got to put that on." That was his chance, to, like have a moment. Put that on him. Yeah, both tied ends. Like every time they get out in a route, I'm like, "Hey, let let Priestcorn score. Let Hudson Wolf score. Come on, get 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 there." Sp- did you see the play where Priestcorn today blocked a guy three rows deep into the bench? I missed this. No, I didn't see it. It was like a it was like a swing pass, and whoever he was blocking, like he completely took him like three rows deep into the Ole Miss bench. And at first, I thought they were going to throw like an unnecessary roughness thing, but like it was first off, it it helped it was into the Ole Miss bench, but it was one of those blocks where it's like, man, you better throw him the ball after that. Like that was <laughs> that was a hell of a block. Stanton, thanks for Super Chat. He says the announcers kept re- uh, referencing that Ole Miss is playing for an SEC championship. It feels good to hear realistic. Uh, I mean, you need a ton of help. Um, you know, I, it's just hard to – got to go 11-1. And as they were talking about there at the end of the game, that tiebreaker just does not suit Ole Miss at all because you end up in a tiebreaker where it matters what your East opponent's record is, and you played Vanderbilt. And their record is – I mean, I know you played Georgia too, but still. Um 
So you did Vanderbilt. Emma, win. Vanderbilt has the game Tennessee. to give them a chance. Tennessee and who? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't even know off the top of my head. Because the other problem Ole Miss has is like the advantage would be you play Georgia, but it, for you for this to matter in that scenario, you beat Georgia, and so it's like so Bama. I'm trying to think who Bama's played this year. Tennessee. Yeah, it, I know I going maybe, into the weekend, get, Ole Miss would not get it based off the numbers we know today. Like, they were kind of out of it at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I would say is I don't think they've won next week. And I know everyone's, like, cashing in Texas A&M as a win. I think Texas a and is going to present some problems for them. Now – I think Ole Miss presents problems for Texas mm-hmm. A&M too, but like Texas A&M, other than LSU, is probably going to have the best receivers that they've seen. Texas A&M will have the best defensive front they've seen, other than Alabama. And we've seen when you know when this team goes up against a really nasty front the offense kind of gets stale and, and mm-hmm. you know, stalls out. So I guess if I'm an Ole Miss fan, like I'm looking at this next week is huge because if you take care of business, you do set up a, you set up a game at Georgia, but like, I feel like everyone's kind of doing the whole, I think everyone's really looking past Texas A&M. And I think Texas A&M is physically going to present challenges for them that I don't think the fan base is ready for, at least yeah, well, in terms of, I think they just see that. I think they see Texas A&M scores and they see who they've lost to. And they kind of just, you know, dismiss them. Texas A&M is going to be a tough matchup for them. Yeah. You know, look, here's the deal is A&M finds ways to blow games. They kind of crumple over themselves. They're not sound, which is why yeah. Ole Miss is, is in shape. Obviously they can win the game next week. They're going to be a favorite on the, on the line. Um, but yes, no. A and M is very good up front defensively. We'll talk about this all week. With they they they, they do from a matchup standpoint, and college football is all about week to week matchups. That's literally what yes. the sport is in twenty twenty three. Um, it's fascinating because it's who can minimize and mitigate their matchup issue. A and M or Ole Miss in different ways because A and M can't stop anybody at times. I mean, you can throw on them, you can run on them, even with that defensive front. If you can block a little bit, it, it, it's a mess. Um, and it's, it dovetails into this. Uh, Jay Young, thanks for Super Chat. He says, uh, anything less than 10 and 2 is a disappointment, right? Yeah, I mean, because that means you lost the two games that are di- dictating things right now um, the rest of the way. So you lost LSU. I mean, to A&M, you didn't pull an upset over Georgia, unless you think you're going like, to get upset by State or something. Because, I mean, your goal right now, I think the goals are on multiple levels, is your initial goal is to beat A&M, let Georgia be a free shot, beat State, beat ULM. You're 10-2, and two and you go to an access bowl. You're going to go to the Cotton Bowl, you're going to go to the Orange Bowl, and you're going to have a hell of a season. Congratulations. And then if anything happens past that and you do, you are the one that pulls it off in Athens and somehow you get to 11-1, and one, it's why the SEC championship thing, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. Ole Miss has a better chance of making the playoff than going to Atlanta. Hell yeah, no. although – Shit going sideways all over the country is more likely than 
the exact situations that have to play out with Vanderbilt winning a football game in the SEC. It just doesn't make sense. Unless you think Bama's losing twice, and I'd love to know where you're coming up with that one. So I think Bama – I think LSU is going to get them. Um, Somebody else so get them? So if LSU – but if LSU – won't they all be 7-1? and one? Yeah. And so then everyone's doing the whole scheduling. I thought the first tiebreaker, though, was – Jeffrey's internet is worse than it usually is. We'll see. Let him come back to uh, that in a second. Hopefully, he's not freezing up. May have to reconnect. If so, that's okay. We'll uh, get there when it uh, does. Yeah, I, I said I just it does not look like from everything I've heard that they have a huge chance of winning the tiebreaker. It's just not the way this thing is set up right now. And I mean, I just think national chaos is more likely if you're if you're going to do that. Big Ben saying that. Uh, LSU goes in a, uh, in, in a in a three-way situation. Sure, I'll, uh, I'll I'll buy that. I have not looked at it to that extent to know the answer to that at this point, but I think that is uh, that's perfectly something that I'll uh, I'll buy at that point. Uh, let's see, let's see, Robert. Thanks for the uh, super chat. He says. Uh, if Ole Miss loses to A&M, it would be a disappointment. Yeah, sure, because it's a it's a it's a winnable game. It's a it's absolutely it would absolutely be a disappointment at that point. I mean, there's there, there's no doubt about that. Um, Jeffrey, go ahead. Sorry over whatever you were saying there. You kind of froze up. Sorry, I, I don't know if it's my. I think it's probably my internet. Um, so, I guess I mean the fact that everyone they were talking about on the broadcast, but like I thought if everyone is tied at set, if you have a three way tie at seven and one just went to who's ranked higher in the college football playoff rankings. No, that, that, that went out with whatever at this point, if it's a three-way thing, like I was seeing the thing, it looks like boring Vanderbilt just going on some run LSU would have the, the ultimate win there. And Bama actually would lose out too. LSU would have the victory. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the biggest problem that I struggle with is, I mean, I understand it's how a season plays out, but if they wind up going nine and three and we act like that, that's a failure. Like I, I kind of struggle with that. Like, it's kind of the how many thing is do you move the bar as a season plays out? Like I do understand in the end, like expectations do change week to week, but at the same time, how many teams don't? How many teams don't lose at least one game a year that they think they're winning? Georgia? I mean, Bama even last year. You know what I mean? Like, they they lost at least one game that they didn't think they are going to lose. Like, I, I, just, I just really, really struggle with saying 9-3 and three would not be a success just because. And it does feel like part of the – People feeling people feeling like nine and three wouldn't be a success. It feels like part of that is the A and M factor. Uh, Man32.com. Yeah, the Florida State game just doesn't matter at all. I mean, again, the the way the tiebreakers would work, it would get down to East opponents. It just is what it is. Like I, I I have not looked at it, but everybody's saying that, so they're not all wrong at this point. So what happened against Florida State is not is not deal. Yeah, I mean, oh. in the end, I do trust. I do trust the broadcast crew that literally works for the SEC yeah, network. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I personally, it's like I said, like it was the thing where I was like, I always thought it was your, the playoff rankings, but then when they were, it's like, oh, well, clearly I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, barring a loss to Mississippi State, their floor right now is the Citrus Bowl. I mean, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, whatever, you know, with the Citrus Bowl or whatever that is. But, I mean, they are Every a other more nine and three mature, year, they, that was their access bowls. Right, exactly. That's something, yeah, yeah, sure. They, they are a more mature team than Texas A&M. They know how to win more than Texas A&M. I agree. No, I, I, I actually like – I exactly – I like how you laid it out. Um, A&M beats itself much uh, much more than Ole Miss does. Like, Ole Miss is one loss this year. I do not feel like they beat themselves. Unless you want to make the argument having a poor game plan was beating itself. But I, I physically got beat that night. I don't feel like they – I don't feel like they made them a six. Texas saying, like, but this is kind of the point that I'm making. I understand it's not the same. Texas A&M was at home. Alabama for Ole Miss was on the road. But Texas A&M, I felt like, beat itself against Alabama. I don't feel like Ole Miss did. And that's kind of my point. It's like, I, I just hope everybody is aware. I think next week's going to be a dogfight. Oh, I do too. I think it's a four-quarter game, all that stuff, all that blah, 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 blah. I just... I would rather have Jackson Dart than Johnson. I agree. I'd rather have Lane than Jimbo. And I Ole agree. Miss is at, and Ole Miss is at home. Um, and frankly, A&M has not played very well in Oxford over the years. If you want to make that interesting. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, the other thing is, you know, Lane's kind of had Jimbo's number. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they, he hasn't lost, right? Because look, if it's anybody, year. if it's anybody better than South Carolina as a team, I know Rattler's pretty good. They're in for a freaking war today. I mean, they ended up winning by thirteen. It was sleepy early on. They got off to a bad start. Carolina goes up seven nothing. Had chances to kind of extend it out. I, I guess I'm just having a hard time looking at A and M as a team and going, when this season have they put it together that makes any sense? And they really haven't. I mean, they've sort of found ways to lose every single time. No, honestly, probably their best game was Arkansas. And mm-hmm. even in that game, like, they threw a pick six on a swing route. Like, how the hell do you do that? Like, um, I, 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 I agree. I just – I guess what – I'm preparing people. I think, I think people are thinking the A&M game is going to be a lot like the Auburn game was. Where, like, maybe it's close, but, like, you're never really going to doubt that Ole Miss is going to win. A&M is better by a lot physically than then AM will be the best team that they've played since LSU by a mile. AM is actually that's kind of what they remind me of. They're almost kind of a better Auburn. Yes. They're Auburn. They're Auburn. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh Jay Young again thanks. Has Kiffin has raised the bar to playoff or bust moving forward? Are you wrong? I mean look, it's seasonal because of portal and things, but in general, no. I mean Ole Miss is going to go into Next season, 100% being a team that has top 12 aspirations or they had a, an unsuccessful season. You get Dart back. You've got Judkins in a year three. You obviously would believe that Golding would be making the defense competitive to whatever degree next year. I mean, I, I would be a little surprised if, unless Ole Miss just completely you know, takes the pipe the rest of the way or something, as long as they sort of 
just tread water and get home, they're going to be a top 15 team in the preseason next year and maybe a good bit higher than that. I mean, I know. So, yeah, you're you're right. Now that it's going to 12 teams, and plus Ole Miss's schedule is pretty good next year. I mean, not to look too far ahead, but you don't play Alabama. I mean, like, that, that schedule's not bad inside the SEC next year at all. So, I, I looked at it earlier. So, you got Furman, MTSU, at Wake. Are we doing that again, really? Um, I will never forget staying up in freaking Lausanne, Switzerland, and watching that 08 Wake game where, remember, they had the pass interference. It was nut going to Wake, and they lost. Uh, that was Sam Slank and Riley Skinner. Yeah, baby. Riley Skinner. Shout out Bowl School. Um, Georgia Southern. And then the conference schedule is Arkansas, Florida, LSU, South Carolina on the road, Georgia, Kentucky, State, Oklahoma, and Oxford. It could be worse. That's not terrible. No. Basically, you drop Alabama and Auburn. For Oak, Florida, and South Oklahoma, Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah. The problem is the someone out there who has more time on their hands than I do. Someone needs to make a Sarah McLaughlin "I Will Remember You" video to the Vanderbilt series. Like, there's just so many great moments when they were talking about uh, Ole Miss is 18 and two against Vanderbilt on homecoming. I was like, I'm pretty sure the Greg Zolman overtime was uh, homecoming. And then I guess was the was the the only other times I could think of was it the Jordan Rogers game was that homecoming or was it the game where Dexter fumbled like seven times? I think it was Dex. That that felt about right. Yeah, I, I don't remember what homecoming was in twelve when Jordan Rogers uh when when he when he pulled it off and he he won that one. A uh, couple things here. Uh, first, what, how did we feel about all the Pagese quarterback plays? Uh, you know how I feel about that. Like that, uh, I'm not. I, I can't be a hypocrite. I can't mock you for it and act like Lane's a genius. I think it's I all stupid. I will say though, it was going to be a blowout, so let the kids have some fun. Okay, whatever. He wasn't doing I it agree. against Alabama in the fourth quarter. I agree. Well, or whatever. Like, like that wasn't part of his offense. Like, I do agree with you on that. Like, it was clearly trying to get a kid a moment. Like, I understand that. But I mean, good God. Like, uh, put him – Do haven't they been using him as an up back in some short yardage stuff? Yeah, good, yeah, good bit. So, have him release in the flat, throw him the ball. Give him a touchdown that way. He played tight in. He, he'll catch it. Yeah, like, he's a great athlete. But, like, uh, I will say Hart had an unbelievable line. When uh, it was like third – whatever, he ran the ball on third down. Dart came in <laughs> call him like a little more a little more agility this time, but there's not a big bear running it. I think he called him a big bear. And <laughs> I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, he was feeling himself a little bit tonight. You got that, you had the Michigan scouting joke. He 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 he, he left a few out there. Uh yeah, I'm a Tom Hart guy. Obviously, this household has to be staunchly anti Jordan Rogers. <laughs> uh I will admit, like, I think my wife. I disagree with her on how annoying he is. The Taylor Swift shit tonight was so annoying. Like, I don't, I do not care that you literally went to a Taylor Swift concert in 2006. Like, I don't, I don't care. It, 
it, it is, it's the one thing that that broadcasting crew has not figured out is how to kill dead air. None of them are very good at it. And they end up talking too much. Well, the, okay. The problem, though, is I will give them I'll, – I'll be fair to them on this. Everyone else that has blowout material, when you are the SEC network blowout material, you can't talk – like, they can't talk about, like, you know, hey, Ole Miss can, you know, embarrass Vanderbilt because then there will be people like, well, you can't, you can't say anything bad about Vanderbilt. Like, you can't – like, they are more limited in their material for blowouts than everyone else's. So like, I don't envy them in that perspective, but can we at least do something other than what was Jordan social media? Like, I, I don't care. Like do honestly read next year's schedule. I'll find that much more inner. Like, and like, I don't need to see a, another rendition of Jordan trying to do an ice ice baby parody. Like I'm good. Uh, I don't, I don't need that. We got plenty of Ole Miss talk coming. Still got Neil, still got Brian. We got stuff, but Jeffrey's my pop culture guy. Just for two minutes, you let, let us do this here. This Matthew Perry thing that happens during the game, I, I mean, it it like it sort of really affected me for a few minutes. I mean, this is kind of unbelievable. How? Well, no, not not unbelievable that it it did it no, no, but exactly like, how? like that. Okay, but here here's here would be my point. Like I can like when Robin Williams when Robin Williams died, like. A part of my childhood died, and that affected me. But like Matthew, giving you a couple of heads up, like we've been seeing him publicly, and every time you saw him publicly, you're like, "Oh my god!" Like he looks horrible. Like this one can't take. Like the ones that take you by surprise, I understand. But like Matthew Perry had basically been saying, like he'd been like putting his hands up for like the last ten years. Like, I mean, what was this? Aaliyah was reading me some note. He claims he spent nine million dollars for rehab or sober homes. I didn't know that. Didn't and know half that. of his life, yeah, like no, like Aaliyah was. Re- and also, our buddy Marshall pointed out, like, you can't really claim that it's that devastating. As soon as he dies, everyone's got about two thousand words ready to go, which mm-hmm. means like everyone like in the pop culture scene was like, well. This was probably this was probably happening sooner rather than later. I mean, I'm not like making light of saying like it's not sad. It's just the ones that always affect me the most are the ones that kind of come out of nowhere. Like at least Matthew Perry gave us a heads up. Yeah, I mean, as Daniel says in the stream, season three was the one where he essentially did the entire season completely out of his mind. Um, I mean, you'll notice weight gain, loss, all that stuff. Just, I mean, yeah, it just you know, it's a it's a show that. I mean, my generation for sure, and into yours a little bit, even though you're a little younger than me. I mean, you know, everybody's trying to rewatch it and stuff. But I, I guess that's the thing. Like, no more reunions, no more whatever. It's just, it's just over and gone right there at that point. Yeah, but like, I mean, remember so him long. at that last, re- remember him at that last reunion that HBO met? Like, yeah. he couldn't put sentences together. Mm-hmm. And what did, what did he try to blame it on? Like, like, did he say like he had plastic surgery or something? But it's like, but. I mean, how many people drown in their fifties? Like, yeah, and it, I mean, he was in a jacuzzi. Yeah, I mean, yeah, signs were were there. Um, around you, the league uh, a little bit. Uh, right. It looks, by the way, it looks like North Carolina might do it again. Yeah, I'm staring, watching that right now. Georgia Tech just picks up a fumble. That's what I've kind of got on the TV in front of me. 
Um, so it's going to be a matter of do they call it complete or incomplete? No, it's yeah, it's a catch and fumble. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's got a couple steps on a football move there. That's fine. Uh, Tulane did pull it out today over Rice. They tried to lose, but they uh, they still won. I think Air Force still won as well. They so, did. Uh, 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 the second half, because I, I took the points with Colorado State. Colorado State's second half, I think, was fumble, punt, 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 downs, downs. And they were tied at 13 at the half. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what else happened today. All right. So, cause I kind of agree with your assessment on South Carolina. Although I will say, I think that was a touchdown for the tight end. I think he drug his foot. Like I get it. Like why they didn't call it. I actually thought it was a touchdown. If Texas A&M, like it is weird how like so much of what we think about a team right now is whether or not they cover. Like, Oh, that's true. Did you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever really think Texas A&M wasn't going to win that game? No, they were going to win it the entire time, even when they were down 7 nothing. even during all the stuff. I mean, there is a certain thing where we are – I think it's the one thing we're doing as a college football collective, and I mean fans, I mean media, I mean every, yeah. every, everybody involved, is that we – depending on the team – well, okay, when you win – we go, yeah, but you didn't cover, and you're vulnerable, and you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do all these different things. And then when you lose, we go, hey, see, it's just about surviving and advancing because that thing happens. But then we don't give yeah. the winners the same leeway in the same way at the same time. And, 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 yeah, by the way, Joseph, that's why I was mentioning the Tulane Air Force thing because if Ole Miss is in an access bowl, I doubt they would rematch with Tulane, so it would put them – somewhere else because Tulane and Air Force are by far the two teams that would be most likely to uh, get that group of five spot for an access bowl. So whoever's ahead. Uh, don't don't count out. Don't count out SMU. Oh, I think SMU is actually the best team in the league in the, in the AAC. Now I've been saying this on the radio show. The AAC has gotten too much CUSA in it. Like the Q says, like that. I think Tulane's a good team. I think SMU's a good team, and I think Memphis is like somewhere between them and the rest of the league. And then I don't really know what to do with UTSA, but I I wouldn't count on SMU. But like, let's be real. Nobody wants to be the team that has to play the G five champion in the Access Bowl. No, it's it, it, it's a it's a morale killer all the way around. It's not even about losing it or that mattering. It's just you're playing that team. It, it, it's it just, it's a month. Of it not, just doesn't. Hey, we get SC or we get whomever. It's oh, I play SMU. Right, and like I because you you did point this a couple of years ago, and I hadn't really thought about it. But it's like give me Oklahoma State again for the fifty eighth time in another sport playing SMU or playing Tulane or playing like. I'd still rather play someone like that, like someone that they've consistently played a ton. But uh, getting back to the rest of the league, all right, then Auburn and State battle of who could be less impressive. Um, I was pretty disappointed in State's defense today. I thought they came out really flat, and I'm sure I, I'm sure he could plan. Um, it looked like he was certainly calling plays in the first quarter, but. 
they just didn't have any energy. Like uh, it was very odd to me that that was flat. Um, the the score I felt like with Tennessee and Kentucky was closer than the game was. Like if you watched it, Kentucky or I'm sorry, Tennessee kind of did. If Ole Miss would have played a more competent team today, the things that would have gotten Ole Miss got see from blowing them out. It's kind of like last week. They were really bad in the red zone. Uh, they they kicked too many field goals. But like if Ole Miss would have gotten into a game against like a really good op- opponent today, like the things we would have been talking about were like, hey, those those possessions where you know they got the ball. What was it? The twelve after the interception, they get the ball at the twelve, and they only got a mm-hmm. field goal. Um, and then honestly, they were lucky to get a field goal on the second one. Where they, that could have been a pick six or whatever, a scoop and score the other way. Those those things kind of happened to Tennessee, where like they were they just weren't great in the red zone. Um, is that what, what else? Ha- I'm trying to think. But there was there wasn't another league game, right? We only had four, right? Yeah, we had. Oh, and then Florida, other than Florida, Florida, Georgia. Oh, and then. I think the new rule is touch a Georgia game unless it's a big game and then just take Georgia and don't care what the number is. Like, it feels like about Georgia the, is, you know, and, and again, this is next week. This is after the A&M thing happens and we can look ahead. We don't play. It's Georgia is still more gettable than previous years. That is a hundred percent true. But when they actually put that damn thing in gear, they look really damn good still. Like, it still looks like Georgia when they find that motivation and lock in and they kind of have those three, four possessions where they got some explosiveness and they are a freaking python. And they just sort of bury you right there and that's game over and they go back into their lackluster, lackadaisical ways. It just doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, because I, I, Florida had a really good script to start the game. And after that, did they do anything until garbage time? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, that that first drive, and give them credit, like Georgia or Florida put together a great first drive. I mean, that was a good mix. And then it felt like the biggest play of the game to me in that one was Florida when Florida went for it on fourth and a foot or whatever in their own territory, and they clearly had that gimmick play where. Mertz looked like he was going to sneak it, and then they snapped it to Etienne, and Etienne was going to throw it, and Georgia just blew the play up. I felt like that was the moment. The thing that would concern me, if I'm an Ole Miss fan act, you know, trying to dream as big as possible. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think Georgia's going to present the same problems that Alabama did. Like, I don't think maybe Georgia's front's quite as talented as Alabama's, but I also think Georgia's back end's way better. I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I I think Georgia, when they have to mush people, they can. Well, I mean, oh, look, I mean, we have plenty of time to get into what that looks like, but what that thing is going to look like is Ole Miss is going to need a turnover or two. They're going to have big plays. I mean, it's going to look like the normal upset crap we're going to talk about that we always talk about is, Hey, you play sound. You do this. You do this. You do all these different things, and and go from there. I mean, so no, that's look. That, B day and M. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the other thing. I I uh, I really think Carson Beck's pretty good. The more I watch him, the more I like him. He's really accurate. He's uh, he's got great footwork. I think the dude's pretty good. And, like, I understand, hey, playing quarterback with all those weapons is probably a lot easier than it is to play pretty much anywhere else. I still think, like, I think he might legitimately be an upgrade over the mailman. The one thing I'll give the mailman over him is the mailman, the mailman presented a better red zone option because he could run. Yeah, not I mean, from they, cops. He yeah, couldn't yeah, run away from cops, it. but he could run away from defenses. Georgia Tech up 46-42 right now, 150 to go. It is uh second and six here as they are trying to uh to pull this off. That kills we uh we cooked up a little four teamer par uh parlay today, the uh group chat. This is gonna be a killer. Oh, you had North Carolina in that thing? We've already we've already got the other three legs. The other three legs are home. Oh, uh, last thing. What's the what's the line next week? You think? I'm gonna say Ole Miss six and a half. Six and a half. I think I don't think it'll get over a touchdown. And if you tell me it comes out. Uh, whatever, like, who, who releases first, Circa? Uh, yeah, they come out at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. If, if you told me Circa does this four and a half, I'm not super shocked. Yeah, I was going to – four and a half, five was the number in my head before you said six and a half. That's kind of what I was thinking. You could, t- you could tell me – like, they are trying to get people to bet on A&M. And I feel like if you if you put it 
around three and a half, four and a half, five and a half. I think people are just going to take Ole Miss. I think when you start dangling like, oh, maybe you could buy it to seven. Maybe you get some people to take A&M. But again, like I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to get upset, but like I do, I would caution everyone out there. Like if you should be prepared for four quarters. Like I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I think something. I, I think with five minutes to go, somebody's getting the ball to go take a lead. One way or the yeah, other. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think that's probably what we uh, we got going. So, all right, enjoy the night. Maybe you'll get this one for your uh, parlay. We'll talk Thursday. All right. Was Jeffrey right there on the show? Give me a second to uh, get things situated. We'll get Brian to call in a second. Neil's still finishing up uh, as well. Neil uh, was waiting on Trey Washington, who had two interceptions tonight for the Rebels. He was in the uh, in the post game, so they were getting him uh, him squared away. And then uh, Neil was headed home, and he will join us here on the show. So let's see, let's uh, let me get Brian. Tell him he can uh, hop on in. We'll start talking to him. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating, at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. When it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. HelloFresh takes the stress out of mealtime by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your doorstep. This fall, skip that extra trip to the grocery store and have dinner ready in no time with America's number one meal kit. A new season calls for new meals, and HelloFresh has a fresh fall lineup of delicious dinners, and more to choose from. Take your pick from 40 weekly recipes that suit your lifestyle, from veggie to family-friendly, fit, wholesome, and much more. They make it easy. Recipes are easy to follow. Get mealtime done. I know it's hectic right now. I know a lot of stuff's going on, kids' activities. HelloFresh can help you out. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50MPW, and then use that code 50MPW for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months That's HelloFresh.com slash 50MPW and code 50MPW for 50% off. Again, 15% even the next two months after that as well. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Fall is here, gentlemen. It's about to get busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. They're the best in the skincare game with an easy routine. Keep your face looking pretty no matter your schedule. Plus, what's better than a gift? of clear skin. Join the other 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impression this fall. Plus, it's a great gift. 
Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the Regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine, transferring your skin. The Regimen includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, the Good. The Clean Slate starts an injured day. It's a face wash that leaves all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the Good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as reduce the visibility and wrinkles and fine line. They're the leader of uh, men's skin care. They're made only with top tier ingredients and clinical trials have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for just a few weeks. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use MPW at CalderaLab.com and it's 20% off right now. That's 20% off with code MPW at Caldera, Caldera Lab to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holidays. Again, 20% off at Caldera Lab with code MPW. Yeah, the juice socks are great. Reminder, they are uh, on the screen now. Uh, Dead Socks, the reason that we have this post-game show the second year in a row to be our title sponsor. We appreciate them. Remember, you can uh, elevate your game day look with socks and financially support the Rebels. Again, every step you take shapes the future of Ole Miss Athletics. Sign up for the Sox subscription, and you get the Juice Kiffin Socks for free. They are free if you sign up for the Sox subscription. They get the latest in Ole Miss styles every month or whatever interval it is that suits you. So that is uh, that is that Dead Soxy Juice Socks there um, on your screen as we're uh, as we're talking. Yeah, 46-42 now, Georgia Tech, 41 seconds to go, and they are going to pull this bad boy off. I'm looking, North Carolina timeouts, is that it? Yeah, ball game. Georgia Tech's going to give uh, North Carolina a loss. Good, quite the uh, quite the good day for Ole Miss from a non-conference opponent standpoint. This is a big game for Georgia Tech. They moved to 4-4 four and four on the season after this. Now, they also have uh, – Georgia left on the schedule, so they can all lose one more time after that. Can they get bowl eligible? What is their uh, what is the rest of their schedule? Let me look that up real quick. Um, Georgia Tech football schedule. Yeah, Georgia Tech, Tulane, and LSU, all really good wins in different ways. I mean, the, the way they dominated that second half against Georgia Tech was huge. Um, that wasn't that, that that wasn't fluky. They've been such a good second half team. Now I know they weren't tonight, but they're up twenty six nothing. I'm not going to hold that uh, hold that against Ole Miss at this point. I thought that first half was such a mature half. I, I know I said it at the beginning of the show, but really and truly, that that was such a good first half for Ole Miss from a defensive standpoint. That you just suffocate an opponent like that, you put it away, you don't let Vanderbilt get spunky. Vanderbilt as a program is always circling Ole Miss. They had the lead at halftime last year. All those different things that can go weird go wrong in different ways. And it was just over right there and done. And I, I think thought, I thought that was really, really huge for Ole Miss today. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the schedule's funky, but they can get there. Um, Georgia Tech now 4-4. Four and four. They have Virginia in Charlottesville, Clemson in Clemson, Syracuse, and Georgia. So to get to 6-6 uh, six and six, and to get to a bowl for uh, Brent Key, that is a win over Virginia and Charlottesville, most likely, and a win against Syracuse, even if they lose to Clemson and uh, and Georgia. So that's what's left for uh, for Georgia Tech. Let's see. Yeah, I don't. I know the field rushing is up this year, but it just. I mean, I worry about safety concerns, obviously. But beyond that, it's cool. Let them. Let them. Let, let them cook. No issue with that. I don't care. Uh. 
Clemson, by the way, coming off that loss today. Jeffrey and I did not mention that. Clemson 24-17 losing to North Carolina State. So the uh, the Wolfpack and Dave Doran getting one there. Clemson with kind of an interesting schedule left. Clemson still gets Notre Dame and UNC, Georgia Tech, and South Carolina on that schedule. They're, they're, not, they're, they're, they're not done with losses yet at all. Um, really nowhere close to uh, to losses yet for uh, for the Tigers. Let's see, get back into the uh, stats for a second while we're waiting on Brian. What are you guys saying on the stream? Yeah, no, they, well, this has been a really good defensive end. Uh, Sad's been better. Jared Ivey's been huge here in the uh, in the past few weeks. Bad loss for Mac Brown tonight. Um, coming off the other game, just yeah, not not good. Yeah, Siski did call it. He's had a he said a couple couple uh, a couple good ones here. Uh, let's see. Game comparison again. Ole Miss four hundred and thirty-one total yards. Vanderbilt two twenty-nine. Ole Miss ran for one seventy-seven. Vanderbilt for one sixty-six. Ole Miss threw for two fifty-four. Vanderbilt only threw for sixty yards there. They uh, played a couple different quarterbacks. You know, they started Ken Seals. They played him, and then they moved to Wade Taylor. Taylor goes four for 12, 38 yards and a pick. Seals four for eight, twenty-two yards and a pick. Their uh, leading receiver was Shepard, four catches, but only 17 yards. Cheryl, two catches, 28 yards. Only four receivers caught a ball. And then uh, Taylor was also Vanderbilt's leading rusher. He goes 20 carries for uh, 59 yards, long of 18. He averaged three carries, scored a touchdown there. Newberry, uh, three carries, 30 yards. I mean, just defensively, Ole Miss was so good tonight. They did a great job. Uh, Vanderbilt only got in the red zone one time. They were three for 15 on third down and one for five on fourth down. So that tells you where they are with that. Ole Miss five of 13 on third down, two of three on fourth down. Vanderbilt held the ball for uh, 32 minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Siski's doing right now. I'm not sure. He texted me a few minutes ago. Um, his uh, his kid had a few uh, a few opinions there. Now, I, look, A&M still owes Jimbo a ton of money. I mean, you better know who you are hiring him. Uh, let's see. Chase, where would you put Ole Miss in the initial college football ranking? Yeah, it comes out this week, doesn't it? Let me pull it up real quick. What's the top 25 currently, just from an AP standpoint? Yeah, Oklahoma's going to tumble. It's just a matter of where. Let's see. Top 25 rankings. I know it's bad pod. I'm going to pull it up here. So just give me a second. You guys aren't going anywhere. Georgia won, Michigan won, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma. Mm, I don't think Oklahoma falls below Ole Miss. I think they're very close, but just kind of knowing how that works, my guess is uh, my guess is no on that. Brian, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. You you're you're one of those bad rebels that left at halftime tonight. What's up, bud? Oh, well, I have a post game show to do that I get paid large sums of money to do, so <laughs> I had to go get set up for that. So I might have more of an excuse than some, but I did make a comment as we we're leaving that it looked like the student section had the same idea. We stuck around for a second at halftime. I was giving dear friend Michael Portner ride home and so we waited for a second and then I looked out right before we left and uh <laughs> it cleared out pretty good before uh, right at halftime 
Marine Rebel, uh, thanks for Super Chat. He says, how long has it been since Ole Miss held three straight opponents to less than 300 yards of offense? Good stat to have. Yeah, it's been a minute. That, that's a hell of a stat. I did not realize that. So you figure it's probably in the game notes. There was a nice nugget there in the stats last week that it was the last time it was the last time Ole Miss had held back-to-back opponents, so two straight under 300 yards or 350 or whatever it was, was 09, actually. It was Elish, I think it was Tennessee and whomever they played before that. Um, and I believe that was a Lane Kiffin coached uh, Tennessee team that year. So I don't know about three straight, though. Big 12 in a mess. Randy says Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State all four and one currently. If you're looking, I guess, really, really big picture at if Ole Miss were to actually somehow beat Georgia and run the table, I guess Oklahoma losing today was fairly good news for them. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you, look, you're just, I mean, that guarantees two losses between Oklahoma and Texas, don't you think? I know it's yeah, not that's the thing. I mean, if we're going to have that conversation, and again, I think we're still – I think we're a week away from the introductory conversation because if Ole Miss beats A&M, you at least are going into the Georgia game going, hey, if they do this, then this. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like we can go ahead and kind of get there. You don't have to wait for Georgia to happen first because, I mean, that's the fun in this. We're all just having fun. We're watching sports. We're doing all these things. So I don't mind the conversation. But you you know you're going eleven and one or none of it matters. It's all a moot point. So every week you're just sitting here trying to figure out where losses are coming from elsewhere. And look, chaos is going to happen. It's what happens late in college football seasons. It's just it's it's inevitable. So yes, Oklahoma losing today, the Pac twelve, you know, you need Washington to lose, you need Oregon to do all kind of stuff. Like there's all kind of crap that's going to come up. But yeah, what you've done now is make it where no matter what, you're at least an arguable spot ahead of whoever the Big 12 champion is and whoever comes out of that mess over there. Yeah, absolutely. I think Neil wrote something earlier this week that I read somewhere. I Forgive me, I can't remember where it is. And he kept talking about the conversation being premature. And, like, sure it is, but if you think about it, Ole Miss got through the Alabama-LSU-Arkansas stretch at 2-1. and one. And then you have a bye week, and you have, like, the weird game at Auburn. But Auburn's a bad team, and then you play Vanderbilt. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, yes, it's premature, and it's not something that should really, really be discussed in a ton of detail until, like you mentioned, after next week. But at that point, like, you hit kind of a lull in the schedule with the bye week and Auburn and Vanderbilt. Like, what the hell else were you going to talk about? Tell me about it a little bit. What was the, the atmosphere early, the crowd, that kind of deal? And what would you, kind of, you kind of get from the game tonight? I feel like every time I give a crowd opinion, I get some sort of DM or email telling me I'm wrong. I'm not any sort of like crowd seismist here, but I, one man's opinion here from where I sat in the stadium, I thought it was actually a pretty good crowd. Um, the student section was full before the game, which always helps in terms of like the aesthetics of it. And other than that Vanderbilt section on that right side of the away side end zone and then kind of the area behind the band, it looked pretty full. It was actually a, a lot bigger crowd than I figured it would be. And I was gauging that mostly based off the amount of tickets I got offered this week. It seemed like people are giving those suckers away pretty good, but it, I thought it was a pretty good turnout for the most part. Yeah, I, people showed. It just didn't have a ton of energy the same way of games you expect because Vanderbilt's on the other sideline and it was a blowout so quickly. Like yeah, the Miss, bodies were in the seats. It was like a very, very much like Ole Miss Vanderbilt-ish game, if that makes any sense. Ole Miss jumped on them quickly. There was a lull in the middle of the game, and then Ole Miss magically covers in the fourth quarter. Like, it just kind of went 
honestly, basically like I thought it might. Boy, are they uh, bad up front, Vanderbilt, that is. Barbara in our stream trying to uh, revolutionize things. She says, y'all, I've discovered a way to turn regular off-brand, off-brand cinnamon rolls into Cinnabon rolls. So that's uh, going on right now. What do you got? Give us the... Give us the lowdown. How are we turning the generic uh, bad cinnamon roll into a name brand cinnamon roll? A little bit of a non sequitur, but I'll, I'll I'll allow it at 10.43 on a Saturday night. I'm sure some people out there had a, had a few cocktails, had a few drinks, probably wouldn't mind a, a cinnamon roll at the moment. Are you asking me? What does that mean? I eat cinnamon rolls. What do you mean turning it around? I I, I thought you just had a cinnamon roll. What, what, no, what in the stream mean? over here, Barbara says that she has a hack for making a cinnamon roll much better. So I'd like for her to explain. I want to know what the hack is to improve the off-brand cinnamon roll. Oh, I thought you were asking me. I was like, you know no, better. No. I, just I'm talking about I don't even know how to turn on a microwave hardly. I'm not, I'm not having any hacks towards cinnamon rolls. You don't cook at all, do you? No, I don't. I don't cook anything. I can throw a decent like like LB's. Greg has taught me enough to where I can like throw a decent like some sort of meat on the grill and not screw it up. But if you're involved in an oven or any sort of kitchen appliances or utensils, I, I'm out. I, I'm pretty inept. So that was like, hey, you got to make a homemade lasagna for me tomorrow. You're screwed. Uh yeah, I'd buy it. Okay. You've gotcha. already made lasagna. I wouldn't even know where to start. I know there's cheese and noodles. That's about it. All right. She says, uh, cover them in heavy cream, then mix together butter and brown sugar in a bowl. Cover them with that. And then, uh, let's see, throw them in the oven. Isn't so that how you the make a cinnamon roll? Do what? She said brown sugar, bread, Icing in an oven. Yeah, so 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 do the regular cinnamon roll, cinnamon and then, roll? yeah, cover it in heavy cream, then mix together butter and brown sugar in a bowl. Cover uh, cover them with that, and then throw it in the oven. What is the hack? Well, that I mean, is the, hack. The, the butter and brown sugar and covering up. You're 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 adding ingredients to a normal cinnamon roll. Is the sugar on cinnamon rolls not already brown sugar? Well, we're doing more then. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're made of. I'm just telling you, we're adding these products. That's where we are with this. Okay, I'm just curious. Like that'd be like, hey, you want to know how to make a scrambled egg better? You put it in a skillet and then scramble it. it says you have to use off-brand though. So like the cheapest ones you can find at the grocery store. Okay, yeah. uh, I'll take your word for it. I just what was the was... crowd reaction when uh they wanted to play, they wanted Pegues to score a touchdown on like four plays. Uh, I honestly was so distracted by the fact that he kept doing that. I was like, is this a lane thing where it's Vanderbilt and he's just trying to kind of screw the opponent a little bit? I will say the one that was in the end zone near where I was the time he tried to do it, he almost inched that sucker into the end zone. He got he got stopped at the line of scrimmage. He kind of lumbered forward, and then he fell because he's massive, like felt like nine feet forward, and I thought he might have gotten in the end zone, but he was just a little bit short. I didn't notice any huge reaction to it, but I'm also not a good gauge of that either. I told Jeffrey I have no issue with it because Vanderbilt was never going to threaten. Let, 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 let's have some fun and, and live a little. Like, what, 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 what's, what's it hurt? This, this wasn't freeze with a double wide receiver reverse pass in a close game. Vanderbilt was zero threat. How about the Barry Burnetti package? I keep waiting for that to come back somehow. Yeah, no, some it, way. I mean, I, again, I, I, look, I'm enjoying it. I appreciate it. This is not any sort of negative. The the little bit of like criticism or negativity off a thirty three to seven win over Vanderbilt 
there would be years where people would be paying and killing for a 33-7 to win over Vanderbilt with how dumb this rivalry and all this stuff has been over the years and how Ole Miss typically finds a way to lose some dumb game they're not supposed to lose. I get the egg ball still to go. But, I mean, this team, and it's the same thing, it's such a broken record, they're just mentally pretty damn tough. They're finding ways to do sort of what they're supposed to do every week and get through things and move on. I mean, it's the it's the first time that I have felt like in in Lane because even even in twenty twenty one they were sort of riding the wave and they had Corral and Sam Williams and they had the captains and the guys that were sort of leading the team, but this this is not really a group of front runners. I mean, this is a deal where they're just simply playing pretty good football and finding ways to win football games. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty damn admirable trade. It's kind of the whole point. And yeah, I think Daniel was right. Sometimes you just put other stuff on tape. Spread some love on a low energy week. Lane was definitely worried about the energy this week. Um, might have even said, "Hey, we're going to run some weird stuff there to get everybody involved." He mentioned the basketball goal, which, look, I can go both ways. It's a ton of fun, and I think fun is kind of Ole Miss's brand right now in recruiting and in general. And they're going to throw the party in the sip, and they're going to do all these things. And you're over here with fire extinguishers and ducking on the sidelines. There is a part of me as I turn forty years old in in, in about a month of, hey, if Doug Nikhazy couldn't ride a skateboard, you probably don't need your running back trying to jump up in the air and slam a basketball during the game. Just just saying and crease a knee or an ankle does something funny. I missed most of this. I, of course, was in the stadium for most of it, watched some of the second half. Maybe I just missed over it. I was watching a little bit of Georgia Tech, North Carolina, but um, as the game got out of hand. So what, what – what, I saw they had a basketball goal on the sideline. Are they dunking an actual basketball? What what was that? Was it an air dunk? What Where did that come from? Is this a new fire extinguisher? I was very confused by this entire phenomenon. No, I mean, that, that's what it, Lane said he was looking for. I mean, he basically told him, hey, we're going to dump, we're going to dunk some basketballs this week. That's a celebration that's now on the sidelines. The goal was set at eight and a half feet and live a little. Okay. It's a shame they don't have Michael Trigg. I heard he was a great dunker. He would have been the best dunker on the team. Oh, I don't know. You got to give Priest Corn. He's six six. He's a lot closer to the rim. I heard he could throw one down back in the day. He can still dunk. I say back in the day. He said he hasn't tried in a while for the reasons that you just outlined, but I do think he could probably still hang on rim a bit. Neil, you're joining Brian and myself right now. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're lovely. Can you turn you up just a touch? Yeah. Thank you. No, Brady now joining the show. I don't have them in video form at the moment, but he is uh, now there back in the Clark Ford studio after uh, 33 to 7 Rebels over Commodores. Uh, I'm assuming, oh, I, I'm not assuming Neil's c- column was up before the game ended or right as it ended, I would assume. So uh, it is, it is sure there for you to read. You got a breath? You good? Long day? No, I'm Long good. Night? Yeah, I'm good. I was, I was just kind of, kind of hustling here because I knew you were. I didn't know what your situation was, so I was trying to help. So, what Lane say? What was the gist? Press conference updates? Where do we stand on that? Um, Lane, Lane didn't have a whole lot to say. Um, we'll see. Uh, he got. At, I mean, he talked about how they got off to a good start. He was pretty, really pleased with the defense. Uh, defensive front, especially Pete Golding, he talked about the impact that he's had, which is obvious. Um, so the offense got off to a really good start, and then they kind of, you know, 
bogged down a little bit in the third quarter. I mean, he didn't say this, but it was pretty obvious that, I mean, you know, the game was 26 to nothing pretty quick. And then, you know, I think everybody started thinking probably about what's ahead. And, uh, you know, from that point forward, it was, um, they had a hard time kind of getting it going again. They didn't throw the ball as well as I think he wanted to throw it. You know, I didn't ask him about it. I asked Jackson about it. I asked him what his health was. And he just said, I'll be good. But I think it's pretty obvious when you look at Jackson Dart that, that he's not 100% healthy right now. Uh, I think that's impacting his footwork a little bit. I think it's impacting some of his, his strength on his throws. Um, he talked about he, he wasn't particularly pleased with how he executed. But I, I think you can... I think you can see that, that he's just not 100% right now, and, and that lack of being 100% is impacting his game, making him you know, compensate in other ways, and he's still probably kind of figuring that out a little bit. I thought he made some good throws, and then I just thought there was a period of the game where he just wasn't very sharp. So, I mean, I'm asking you to guess here, but, I mean, is that something that, you, that he's potentially just playing with the rest of the season? Yeah, I don't know. I'd hate to even speculate on that, you know. Um, but – yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's certainly possible that that is something that he's just going to have to to deal with, and you know, I think it's the injury that that he suffered early in that Arkansas game. I can't remember, maybe in the first series of that game, and um, you know, it, I just think it's impacting his kind of lower body strength, and it's probably something he's just got to work through. Where'd you stand on uh, them giving Pagese plenty of chances to score a touchdown? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, have fun with it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you do want to do some things that, that create some, some um, locker room chemistry. And I think they, they, they love JJ and he's an Oxford kid and they wanted to give him a chance. And, you know, you put some crap like that on film, you at least you're going to make Texas A&M spend a period sometime this week on, Hey, if 89 comes in, here's what kind of what they kind of do a little bit. But other than that, I didn't, I didn't, I, I certainly didn't get worked up over them experimenting a little bit. The, the, the game was never in doubt. I mean, you know, to prove how good Vegas is, I mean, they won by 26, the line was 25. I mean, they, Vegas is kind of onto it. I mean, it was fine. I, I had no, I'm, I'm sure some fans got worked up about this. Lane said this, and I think he's right. It tells you where the program is that uh, Ole Miss wins a conference game by 26 points and people are kind of grumbling a little bit. It What it tells me is that at some time in the next two weeks, they're going to run that same package, but there's going to be two or three eye candy gimmicks off of it. They set up a very base version of that play, and there's going to be something that runs off of that against A&M or Georgia with Pegues with in there. Oh, yeah, I'd buy that. that makes it sense. was a safe way that. to set up a baseline play. Yeah, I'd buy that. You know, like I said, you're going to – someone at Texas A&M tomorrow is going to spend half an hour diagramming all that stuff, and they're going to put it in, and at some point they'll make them work it a little bit. Yeah, and they'll probably show them something completely different. Brian, you obviously wrote the uh, profile on Caden this week. What, how, I mean, you talked to him even, I think, yesterday or the day before – How's he kind of handled these last couple of weeks? I mean, how, how did you sort of rate his, his his demeanor and whatnot this week? He's a pretty level-headed kid. Um, I think they had known for a while that uh, his father was not in good shape. Um, it wasn't any sort of 
uh, I would say stark surprise. Not that that makes it any easier, but I feel like he had had some time to prepare for that as well. And, uh, you know, he was pretty shooken up by it. Uh, they've lived a lot of life, particularly in the last three weeks. Um, I imagine there's a little bit of relief in that, uh, in all of this as well, um, that he's no longer suffering and all of that. But, uh, you know, he, he seemed, I don't know, as cheerful or as, as positive as you could possibly be um, after something that happened like that. So he's, he's a pretty tough kid. Um, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily shocked that he went and played at Auburn and played well, but I don't want that also to diminish the amount of strength that it took to do something like that. Neil, I did not, uh, I have not said anything about what you and I were texting about. Was there any sign of the, before I say this? Uh, he was asked specifically about Aishim Young. And? And said that it was he was not there. It was disciplinary, and that it's unfortunate. Um, I asked a representative about what you and I talked about, and he was unaware. I did talk to someone who said that the um, there were a lot of meetings occurring that were somewhat abnormal today at the team hotel. We uh, were. I, I just I mean I know we're talking a code here. Um, I stress that it's rumor at the moment. I, I think that's absolutely do it, but I don't, we don't like to keep you guys in the dark either. Um, we did not notice Ashim Young or Braylon Brown at the stadium today. And the uh, hearing from someone plus just rumor in general that they uh, are facing disciplinary actions that could be, could be long-term. Again, not saying it is long-term. I don't know. I am not reporting that, but we try to keep you guys abreast. And at least for today, they were not active, not present, and we do not know where that is moving forward. So just heads up there. But the uh, defensive back transfer from Iowa State, Ashim Young, that's in his second year, and then obviously Braylon Brown, the wide receiver, who has not been able to uh, crack considerable uh, time in the rotation. He did play play a good bit with Watkins banged up. I think he played 20-something snaps last week. But um, that is sort of where that stands right there. So just heads up on that as we try to alert you to what we're aware of. We'll not to dovetail off that, and I know yeah. it's not related, but Neil, did they offer anything on um, Perkins? I feel like I didn't see him today. I'm sure he was on the sideline or at the stadium, but I didn't notice him playing a whole lot today. He played a, he played a good bit in the second quarter. I'll be honest okay. with you, Brian. Once we got into like the first part of the fourth quarter, I was not paying attention as much as I, I was riding, so I don't know whether he played any more than that. I, I did not hear anything about anything involving him. I suspect that it was somewhat – matchup related. I can tell you that Lane admitted that when they brought in Taylor, the other quarterback, that he asked, who is that guy? They were, they were, they were not prepared for, they were not prepared for Taylor. So that was, that was a, a that was a, they were somewhat operating blindly against uh, the young Vanderbilt quarterback. Who's a well, you know, that was a pretty good from both ways then because Clark Lee had told the broadcast crew, that if they brought Taylor into the game, he only knew five to eight plays. It so on both sides, I think they were just drawing it up as they could go. He could have had something there. He was strong as hell. Yeah, he's a big kid. Real strong. Played hard. Got hit a lot. Kept getting up. Kudos to him. Are you uh, sad, Neil, that we're going to get Ole Miss Vanderbilt next season, that this, is, this rivalry is going to take a hiatus until 2025? I mean, I like the trip to Nashville, so um, okay. that part of it. But no, I mean the 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 
the whole South's oldest rivalry or oldest continuous whatever. I was like, guys, you guys are spinning this really hard. I mean, I mean hey, look, hey, all respect to Ole Miss for doing so. If you, if you can do anything to try to keep Vanderbilt on the schedule, you keep Vanderbilt on the schedule. Yeah, that I game mean, is very important. I mean, Keith, Keith should be calling Hussey going, you know what? We don't have to play LSU. We're good. That was really a 50s and 60s thing. But Vanderbilt, that's modern era, guys. Like, they've won several times since 2000. Like, it's it's it's, it's a game. You well, got to throw the like, record book yeah. out when it's the Rebels and the Commodores. Neil, you're not going to miss that stadium. I always found it to be such a cathedral to college football. I really enjoyed visiting <laughs> that place. I actually think I got stuck in the elevator there one night because it stopped working. The horn. The horn is the thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I won't miss the horn. Uh, again, I have to compliment them. Last year, the coffee was fantastic and I credit them for that uh, because before that it was the worst ever but last year it was amazing seriously it was great um it was my response to whatever OS people would say the league's out to get us and I'm like so they gave you Vanderbilt this the permanent <laughs> opponent no I mean those two things don't jive how uh, how shocked by the Oklahoma thing today were you um I mean not super shocked because the line never really jumped more than about nine points. And a lot of people were saying, Hey, watch Kansas here. And then there was a weather issue that Kansas handled a whole lot better than Oklahoma. And I mean, look, I don't know how you say his name. Leopold, Leipold. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that guy's done a hell of a job. I mean, he really has, he's done a hell of a job. That, that program was not that long ago was just an absolute dumpster fire. It was the worst. And he's made them more than respectable. Kudos to him. I mean, it was a huge win for them. I mean, you could tell just how cathartic that win was. It was every bit as big of a loss for Oklahoma. And frankly, from a playoff standpoint, it might be enough to knock the Big 12 out. Yeah, so we talked about earlier. Basically, everybody's at four and one inside that league. Um, we don't know what the college ball playoff committee will do on Tuesday, but when you do 10 thoughts, how far do you drop the Sooners? Do the Rebels have a chance of jumping over them in these first playoff rankings? Yeah. Yeah, Ole Miss jumps over them. I mean, Ole Miss is one-loss team, and the one loss was at Alabama. Alabama's a one-loss team, and the one loss was at Texas, or at home against Texas, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I think – I think Ole Miss, depending on what happens with this Oregon State game, Ole Miss is like ninth or tenth. Oregon State, Arizona tied at ten at the half. I think, unless I missed something there late. That's correct. That's right. Yeah, I think Ole Miss is probably the way the AP poll works. They'll probably be eleventh, maybe tenth. But yeah, if if I had a ballot, I would probably have Ole Miss at ninth or tenth, probably tenth. Just in my What's head, your initial. I mean, uh, What's your initial impression of A&M Ole Miss, Brian? Uh, I think Ole Miss is a lot better than Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M has a lot of talent, particularly up front defensively, but that offense doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to, to me. And I, I think Ole Miss – I'm not very good at the whole line guessing, but if you made me guess, it's Ole Miss, I don't know, by four-ish, maybe higher. What do you think? Jeffrey thought six and a half, even. Oh, I, I could see that. A, I was going to say five and a half. Yeah, six and a half, somewhere in there. I, I think Ole Miss is better than A&M. There's one area of concern if you're Ole Miss, and from a matchup standpoint, it's your offensive line against their defensive line. But 
guys, Durkin's running a lot of three-man front. I mean, he's he's not taking advantage of a lot of their defensive line talent. South Carolina's not a good gauge because their offensive line is not good, and then it got hurt. On top of not being good, they have injuries. And so they were they were a shell of themselves from an offensive line standpoint. I don't know how much you can read into that game one way or the other. Um, and then, you know, I thought A&M was a little sleepy early, and, and then they kind of woke up and got going in the second quarter, and you saw the rest of it. But, I mean, this is a game Ole Miss should win. I wrote that in my column. I mean – if you, I mean, I guess if you told me that A and M won, I'm not just blown away, stunned, but I would be surprised. I, I think Ole Miss is is clearly a better team, and assuming that Ole Miss doesn't turn the ball over three, four times, I, I think they're going to win. They're they're going to have a huge crowd. The weather's going to be amazing. Um, I mean, look, by they're the tougher end, with less dysfunction mentally. Yeah. And would you trust I mean, Max Johnson to go on the road and win a game like that and their offense to do enough collectively? Johnson is just serviceable right now. He'll make a play here and there. Um, you've got to be aware of uh, Smith, number one. Is it number one or zero, the wide receiver? He's, he's a good, hell of a good player. You, you have to account for him at all times because he can hurt you. But they don't have – they don't have this collection of receivers that you thought they would have, that you think they should have, that they've kind of recruited. They're just not there. Um, you know, their tight ends are sort of pedestrian. Their, their front is fine. It's nothing special. Um, I, I, don't, I think A&M's going to struggle to score against Ole Miss. I mean, Lane said it again tonight, and he's right. There was this mass panic when Ole Miss gave up basically 50 points and 700 yards or whatever it was. Don't hold me to the numbers. I can't remember 600 and something yards against LSU. And Lane said it again tonight. He goes, look, that's what LSU does. They just score on everybody. You can't, you almost have to throw them out as an outlier. And if you go back and look at the other games that they've played, including Alabama, since uh, Georgia Tech, really, and by the way, the guy at Georgia Tech's doing a hell of a job. Um, but he's four and zero against ranked ACC teams, by the way. Yeah, I mean, what an amazing job he's done. But outside of outside of LSU, since the Georgia Tech game, this defense has played really, really well, and they've they've controlled things. And I think they'll do the same thing against Texas A and M. And so, as long as the as the offense doesn't get bogged down with a bunch of turnovers and stuff, I just think Ole Miss wins the game. And I don't know, seven to thirteen points somewhere in there. I mean, I think it's a competitive, fairly close game, but. Look, I, I kind of think this team's going ten and two. I mean, obviously, winning in Athens is a tall order for Ole Miss or for anyone that doesn't wear an NFL shield on the on the front of their jersey. I mean, it's it's just hard to go in there. But but I think Ole Miss beats it, you know. Jay Young, thanks for the super chat. There says Clark Lee is Neil's doppelganger. Please discuss. Yeah, did you go down and get a picture for the game or anything? I mean, y'all 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 have a, a kinship. I did not. I did not, you know. I've been told that that's um, been talked about too much and is 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 worn out. So I I, I avoided the whole. You the whole definitely time. could go as Clark Lee for Halloween next week. Yeah, we could get you a polo, clipboard, a Vanderbilt polo. Does he even yeah. carry a clipboard? I'm not pay attention. Well, he has like the notepad because he's constantly writing stuff down. He's he's big on the on, on the on the notes. I mean, it's not like the. It's not the uh, the Jimbo big trapper keeper 
but it's a, it's definitely a little thing he's he, he's writing on there. Yes, uh, Rippy is wearing a uh, MPW Digital Polo, gentilapparel.com slash MPW for that exact one. I believe he is wearing the Navy baseball polo, if I have it correct, from where I'm uh, where I'm currently sitting. Right, uh, right. That now. is correct. It took someone else pointing out like the third time I wore it for me to notice it was actual baseballs, but I do like the shirt. Uh, how'd they get out health wise? No. Um, I didn't notice anything other than well, um, Anthony got hurt late in the game. I couldn't tell whether that was like just a knee to knee thing or whether he was hurt. Um, he, he didn't. I don't think he returned, but it didn't appear to be. Super serious. Yeah, he he limped off, but it would not. I mean, yeah, I don't think it was anything of major note at all. I think they they they've gotten out pretty well from that standpoint. Um, penalties cleaned up was fairly okay considering the blowout. Whatever. I mean, it's it's as I wrote about. They did so many things in the first quarter and a half to just put the game away that it's hard to really even analyze a thirty-three to seven win over Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I refuse. They they. they <laughs> they did what they did what they're supposed to do. They dominated the game. They, there was absolutely zero doubt who was going to win that game after the opening drive. They screwed around and got a penalty and had to kick a field goal. And then they did the goofy thing and had to kick another field goal. But they they were fine. They 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 controlled the game. There was never. I've I've seen I've seen teams play with their food a lot more than Ole Miss did tonight. That was that was more than that, that was more than fine. Yeah, did, did Zachary Franklin play? Did either one of y'all see him? I did not see him play. He, he did, did not, not have start a possession in the first half when the game was in consequence. I did notice that. They went with Wade Watkins pre-scoring split out a lot, and I did not notice Franklin being on the field, particularly in the first half. From a target standpoint for the game, Wade nine targets, Harris eight targets, Watkins six targets. Aiden Williams, Quinchon Judkins, and Ulysses Bentley all one target apiece. And Spencer did get the mop-up work there late. We have not mentioned that yet on the show. He did. And he was in on the goal line package with Pegues and all that. Wide open had they simply not jumped. There was no one guarding him whatsoever. I, I really <laughs> needed a, a Pegues to Spencer Sanders touchdown pass because that was – that was nowhere near my bingo card uh, going into the into the season or the night. So that had been that had been kind of nice. I'd have been all in on that. And it was Sanders who's ju- who jumped, right? I'm not sure. It was. I just, think he it, was like so excited. He's the one that jumped. Watching it, you could tell it was discombobulated from the from the jump. They there was <laughs> there was confusion about who was in. It was it was a mess. I was when when. The, when it was flagged, I was I, I was not surprised at all. It was like there was a collection of flags that probably could have been thrown. Last thing, both of you guys, Jeffrey and I talked about it at length. Is nine and three a disappointment at this point? No, no, because before the season, and I wrote this in my column. Before the season, eight and four was considered really good. Nine and three was considered a significant achievement. Anything more than that was considered amazing. It's not right to move the goalpost now. That's, 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 that's no, nine and three is not a disappointment. There's also two different, there, they, like I, I get this as semantics. Something can be disappointing in its current state and not be a disappointment to a larger scale. 
if that makes sense. Sure. You can yeah, be disappointed in nine and three because you didn't take advantage of something. But when you look at the season as a totality, if Ole Miss goes to the Citrus Bowl at nine and three, it was not a disappointing season. Yeah, so Brian, here, go ahead. So no, I, I, I that's where I fall. I mean, I don't even really disagree with Neil um, because I keep getting reminded every day when I walk into work on Mondays. We did like an office pool. I think I did pick Ole Miss to go seven and five. So it's definitely not a disappointment. But with the way like the season is framed now, particularly I would say like post Arkansas week when they got through that LSU Alabama Arkansas stretch. Given what you knew about the remaining opponents, if they do go nine and three, I think it will feel disappointing a bit because that would mean you probably lost to either Texas A&M or Mississippi State, which would feel definitely disappointing. But for the season to be a disappointment at nine and three and for the goalpost to be moved does feel a bit unfair. But, you know, I guess both things can be true at once. Yeah, that's true. Here's the fun part. And I wrote this in my column. If this were happening next season, we would be, I mean, underwater in playoff conversation right now. Oh, God. I mean, it would be, can they get a home game? Can they do this? I mean, because yep. the conversation we're currently having on, are they, you know, they going to make the playoff? That would be, hey, is there some crazy-ass way for them to get a bye? Yeah. Are they going to get a home game? Like, you know, that, that would I – mean, we don't know the exact rules yet, but that, that would be the conversation we're having. Yeah, the That's why I don't get the anti-expansion, folks. Like, how fun would that conversation be? They put up the graphic on game day today with the buys and all of that, and if you look at those potential matchups, so what person that likes football would sit there and say, I actually hate this. This shouldn't happen. Yeah, this is – this season, the 12-game playoff – the 12-team playoff, not 12-game, 12 12-team 12 playoff would be awesome. Because there's there's actually parity for the first time in a long time. I mean, there's not there's not outside of Georgia who, like today, Georgia got challenged and people said they might lose and they took it personally and you saw what happened. Outside of Georgia, there's nobody that you look at and go, man, I just don't know. I don't think anybody can get them. I mean, there's there's a, a collection of of good teams. And you know, I mean, ten and two Ole Miss would would make it, probably as like the ten or the eleven, and get sent to some place where they'd have a legitimate shot to win the game. And if they won the game, they'd have a legitimate shot to win the next game. And that's and fun. Look, like like Brian said. I mean, who doesn't want more good football? I mean, if that means that we don't get to see the Music City Bowl, cool. I mean, I'm good with that. The truth is we can have that and still have the Music City Bowl. 100%. Never understood the devaluing the regular season argument anyway. I always go back to that A&M game in 21. Like, that was for a Sugar Bowl. Like, okay, cool, but the Sugar Bowl was an exhibition that didn't actually matter. Imagine with that game in late November with the playoff spot on the line. It would be incredible stuff. It would actually yeah. make the regular season matter more in November to more people, more programs. Yeah, well, and like, and like this year – I mean, this year, let's let's play it out. Let's say Ole Miss beats Texas A&M, loses to Georgia, and beats ULM. The Egg Bowl would be huge, massive, because Mississippi State would have a real opportunity to play the ultimate spoiler. They could knock Ole Miss out of the playoff. You don't think that'd be a little nervous? I mean, that's awesome. Who wouldn't want – people would watch that all over the country. Ole Miss wins and they're in, losing they're out. 
as opposed to what it will be this year in that scenario where Ole Miss, let's say Ole Miss beats Texas A&M, loses to Georgia, and beats ULM. What is the – all that's really at stake for – and I'm talking not from an Ole Miss perspective, okay, but from a national perspective. Are people really all that concerned about whether Ole Miss gets an access bowl or not? Not really. Yeah, yeah. is Ole I mean, Miss the going hard... to the Cotton Bowl or is Tulane going to make them have to go to the Orange Bowl? That's it. Yeah, or does Ole Miss, or if Ole Miss loses – if Ole Miss loses to State, they go to the Citrus instead of the Cotton. The the random college football fans like, oh, whatever, who cares? I mean, it's not it's not playoff. But if if it were, hey, if they win, they're in the playoff, and if they lose, they're out of the playoff. Everybody's watching. It's totally. I mean, it, it's it, it's going to be really exciting. I mean, it's a shame that it's not this year. It really is. It's a shame that it's not this year because this year would be fun. We'd have an opportunity to get. Like, you know, like Oregon today. Oregon went to Utah and just kicked their ass. Oregon has that one loss hanging over them, and even if they win out, there's going to be this argument against them. No, Oregon belongs in a playoff. If you were in a 12-team playoff, we'd, we'd get – there's a real chance we'd get Oregon and Washington in the playoff, mm-hmm. which would be a lot of fun, right? I mean, you might get that game where Ole Miss goes to Oregon or Ole Miss went to Washington or vice versa. They came to Oxford the biggest game in, in those campuses' histories. And that would be a lot of fun as opposed to there's a it is a scenario, guys, where Ole Miss wins out, goes eleven and one, and they're the fifth team. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Where your one loss was at Alabama, but you don't get in because just the way the kind of math works, that sucks. It's yeah. always sucks. They've always gotten bailed out, and they'll probably get bailed out again this year because they always get bailed out. But the four team was always stupid. Yeah, after uh, going after uh, Harbaugh early in the week, Kirby today, uh, yes, he did go after Mullen a little bit. Um, as Mullen had predicted, the uh, the close game with the Florida win and whatever is they're mentioning in the stream. A little bit? Yeah, a little he bit. Thought he, he thought he went after him a little bit. <laughs> oh, I thought he went after him a lot bit. Said he did not like to recruit. Was his uh, his, his, I mean, his quote there? <laughs> for a guy who's right now trying to get back into coaching, that was that was an indictment. <laughs> What's I mean? What has made? I mean, I know he's always a good press conference guy, but what's made Kirby actually take the gloves off this week? Why why, why are we feeling ourselves this week? <sighs> because they've been bored. And now they're about to they, – they know what's coming. Look, the truth is, and some of the guys at, at uh, UGA Sports, part of the Rivals Network, wrote this. They're about to get challenged. Kirby knows it. I mean, they, you know, they slept like, – Jeffrey sent me a text going, how the hell did Georgia not beat this team 60 to nothing? And I said, like, they were bored. Mm-hmm. Not bored now. They weren't bored today. <laughs> they got to have Missouri. their best effort of the year three games in a row. Yeah. Are they gettable against Missouri? Are they gettable against Ole Miss? I don't know. I mean, we're about to find out. But it's by far their most difficult stretch. And Missouri yeah, and no. Ole Miss are not natural get-up games for them. No. Tennessee is, right? When they go to Knoxville, they, 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 they kind yeah. of – it's in their DNA to get up for that game. They didn't get up for Missouri last year. Mm-hmm. They'll probably get up for them this now, time. Now that'll help now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then a week later, you got to get up for Ole Miss. And they hadn't played Ole Miss in forever. 
And by the time Ole Miss gets to that 16, when it was Kirby getting boat raced, and Ole Miss will probably have a single digit by its name going into that game. I mean, they'll probably be eighth, ninth, somewhere in there. Yeah. No, I definitely think so. We have time for that, though. A&M is up next, 11 o'clock in Oxford from Baltimore Stadium next week. Ole Miss got through this uh, weird stretch after the bye week, Auburn last week. By the way, congratulations to Auburn for beating State today, I guess. I actually found myself kind of pulling for Auburn as that game was going on today. I did not know who I was going to be pulling for when it started, but you always sort of pick a team, and I was kind of pulling for uh, for State and for, for Auburn in that one for whatever reason. I know who I was pulling for. It was the Bulldogs. I was. Yeah. I went into they, it not knowing who I would be cheering for, and by the end, by the middle of the game, I knew exactly who I was cheering for. They were incredibly inept offensively. It's 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 not pretty. They've got They're some. Uh, yeah, they've got some holes. They got some issues, but nonetheless, they got through old. They got through Auburn. Got through Vanderbilt here with this one, uh, thirty-three to seven. Over the uh, Commodores, we will uh, have a full week of podcasts. Again, this will be up in podcast form, too, for anybody uh, doing the stream. As always, our podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea as well. So I hope you have a wonderful night. Really appreciate Jeffrey for his time earlier, and then Neil and Brian here as well. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. Ole Miss 33, Vanderbilt 7, show presented by Dead Soxy, showing you the juice socks on the screen. You can get a sock subscription from Dead Soxy. Or use the code REBELGROVE, 20% off, always there with Dead Soxy. So stay Soxy, and we'll have a full week of podcasts beginning on Monday.